There truly is no substitute for the ultimate when it's in store. And although we have witnessed the fitness of the modern warrior more than a few times at this point, it's not only the tough contestants that we get to see across 12 weeks of television, but each season two brand new coaches, usually interfering in some way with a title fight. But this poses the question, as we've now had more than 50 different coaches plucked from the UFC roster, who did it best? Who got the results? Who showed an active interest in improving the fighters? And who had the most wisdom to impart? Ensuring all your contestants have the stealth of a sniper and the strength of a viper, these coaches tried their best to get them ready for the training, the challenge, the ultimate fighter. I'm Balian from MMA On Point, and look the hell out, because Jocko Fuel is back with two brand new powerful flavors, Mango Mayhem and Whoop a Soul. So of course, using the exclusive code MMA On Point, get 10% off your subscription, get your free lifetime shipping, and go kick some ass. Oh, with the official fuel of MMA On Point at originmain.com slash Jocko fuel. Anyways, more on that later. But for now, here are the 10 best Ultimate Fighter coaches. Number 10, Fabricio Verdum. When he's not busy pinging boomerangs at trolls' heads, Fabricio Verdum could be found tapping out most of mixed martial arts heavyweight roster. His tough coaching appearance would come during Season 2 of The Ultimate Fighter Brazil, and he was paired opposite fellow Brazilian legend Antonio Rogério Nogueira. Verdum played his part perfectly, joking back and forth, taking the reins and carrying the show while Dana was absent and not able to make his bloodlust-inducing speeches. Do you want to be a fighter? That is my question. He brought a stellar team with him, including Master Rafael Caldero from Fabricio's Camp Kings MMA, as well as Vandalay Silva, who acted as his second-in-command and was surprisingly insightful for an axed murderer. He also gave great cage-side advice, although he did go cataclysmic at one point following a Yamasaki stoppage, who can blame him, as well as this, his weird obsession with fireworks throughout the season certainly made for some entertaining moments, nearly blowing up the tough Brazil studio on several occasions. Seriously, he could have qualified as a French resistance saboteur by the end of the season. Things did get a little dark after kidnapping future Henry Cejudo coach Eric Albaracin in a Tarantino-esque ransom scenario. Unfortunately, he didn't get any of his guys to the final, but we all saw the fun side of Vaikavayo, he showed passion and interest and more than anything else seemed happy to be able to promote some of brazil's upcoming talent number nine misha tate most mma athletes that make it to a world title will admit that they have an extreme competitive streak and trying to maintain composure as you coach on a reality tv show whilst competing against your biggest rival is no easy task but former strike force champion misha tate was certainly up to the challenge as she faced off against ronda rousey on season 18 and she did a good job not rising to the childish taunts and stubborn attitude of ronda not retaliating and saving face for the sake of the sport. Although she did bang out the classic line, You don't even know how to hit pads, are you kidding me? I don't know how to hit pads. You don't even know how to throw punches. And she may have been right about that one. As a leader, she was superb, always championing team unity and strength, trying to navigate the best matches for her fighters, and even going after Ronda's number one pick, Chris Beale, and showing an understanding of coaching that paled in comparison to Rousey's approach of let Edmund do everything. She brought in guests Dennis Hallman, Kenny Salvini, and two-time Muay Thai world champion Melkor Menor. Both Chris Holdsworth and Juliana Pena won in the finale, giving her the last laugh over Rousey. Oh, she also took the team out to Green Valley Ranch for one of the days and filled it with Hooters girls, so bonus points for that one. Number 8. George St-Pierre 
ever a picture of composure and professionalism, GSP created new standards for a champion in the UFC. So obviously, the best thing to truly test his equanimity is to put him opposite a real-life Steven Stifler for six weeks of hazing and prepubescent demasculinization on a reality TV show. In season 12, the Canadian GOAT was matched up with American wrestler Josh Koscheck, a man who loves running his mouth as much as GSP loves dinosaurs. As a coach, GSP brought a tactical mindset, treating it like a competition from the get-go, faking his team's first pick by writing it down and casually dangling it in front of Koscheck, who of course gleefully took the bait as GSP let Dana know he brought a GOAT coaching staff in the form of Greg Jackson and John Danaher, as well as the now infamously drunk Muay Thai champion John Charles Kapowski. As Josh ran up the pranks, GSP stood stalwart reminiscing about being bullied as a child, using this to inspire and turn the narrative completely against Josh. Other guests he brought included Mike Tyson, who watched Michael Johnson finish Aaron Wilkinson, and legend Freddie Roach, who starstruck Team Pierre as he gave out free boxing lessons. Despite Josh's constant attempts to get inside the mind of Rush, it was an all-GSP finale, scoring a win for nerds and victims of bullies everywhere. Number 7. Rich Franklin Next to the experience of trying to control a room full of adolescent teenagers, coaching a team of fighters through a grueling six-week tournament should be a piece of cake. At least that's what I assume Rich Franklin thought when he took up the mantle of tough coach opposite Matt Hughes for the second season of The Ultimate Fighter. Compared to season one, there actually seemed to be a structure in place, opposed to the let's just make shit up as we go along approach. Team challenges were an important factor this time around, allowing the winning coach to pick the next fight matchup, and it was down to Franklin to motivate, strategize, and select his team accordingly. After the infamous Scarecrow challenge saw Joe Stevenson make 204 revolutions around the body of a standing Mike Whitehead, Franklin opted to forfeit the challenge, giving up control but saving two of his guys, while Whitehead and Stevenson could barely stand and spent days recovering. Rich mentored his fighters well like any good professor, helping them through tough weight cuts, staying at the house and taking part in Bible study sessions and hooking everyone up with that sweet, sweet Zions, bro. He coached Rashad Evans to the title of Ultimate Fighter, demonstrated to the audience at home what it meant to be a professional cage fighter, and even had time to play a few pranks on Dana White. Number 6. Rashad Evans in a tension-filled heavyweight season that included the likes of Big Country, Roy Nelson, Brendan Sharp, Justin Wren, Matt Mitrione, and even Kimbo Slice, the UFC outdid themselves by matching up Sugar Rashad Evans across from Quinton Rampage Jackson, making for some of the most creative, abrasive, and hilarious trash-talking moments in Ultimate Fighter history. Your head too big and it's too easy to hit. Good. The two personalities clashed from the get-go as they met nose-to-nose more often than newly married Eskimos. Sugar brought a calm stability to his team, taking the time to connect with each individual and channeling his competitive rivalry against Rampage into supporting his fighters. His coaching team was also impeccable and included Greg Jackson as well as Trevor Whitman, the only man in MMA history who seemed able to talk Roy Nelson into listening to their advice. Sugar maintained a professional manner, never escalating the prolonged stare-downs with Rampage, leaping when asked if he felt froggy or rising to Jackson's volatile outburst, criticizing his lack of effort with only one member of Team Rampage making it to the quarterfinals as Rashad went 7-1 and one in the opening round, making his one of the most dominant seasons in tough history. Number 5. Jason Mayhem Miller if it's not enough entertainment to pit two of the most polarizing and cheeky fighters in MMA against each other for some good old competition, throwing together a snack tournament that included names like TJ Dillashaw, John Dodson, Dennis Bermudez, and Brian Caraway certainly got folks microwaving their popcorn. But it was Mayhem Miller that stood out opposite rival coach Michael Bisping when the two men led season 14. Having recently taken a position as a coach at Mark Muniz's rain training facility, he was well prepared to lead his team and run practices, helping to develop their grappling skills. On day one, he visited the house and brought his team Normatech MVP Pro compression suits to aid recovery, helped members like Brian Caraway overcome fight anxiety, and brought with him a great team, including Ryan Parsons, Jake Ellenberger, and even Kamaru Usman. This all translated excellently into competition, as he called out instructions cage side, coaching Bermudez, Caraway, and Dustin Paig to submission victories. In the inevitable monotonous grind, 
mind that comes with six straight weeks of training, Miller made things fun, mixing up sessions and even starting a gym brawl with foam beams. Defend yourself at all times. Miller also tried to de-escalate things when they got too heated and stuck up for his coaches and team members when Bisping got a little too friendly. He started the season well going 4-0 and eventually had John Dodson winning at Bantamweight, but it's his combined overall efforts that earn him a spot on this list. Number 4. Uriah Faber Rather than bringing the mentality and training regime of Team Alpha Male to the tough studio, the California kid Uriah Faber decided instead to essentially migrate his entire team to Vegas for the duration of the show, giving his fighters the true Sacramento martial arts experience. And he championed that laid-back Cali attitude extremely well when faced with the hazing jokes and insults from both Dominic Cruz and Conor McGregor, never rising to their goading and maintaining his composure and cool like a true alpha male does. Even when Cruz hit him with a line about only teaching overhands and guillotines, Faber retorted with, one arm guillotine today. You know that one all too well, bud. He certainly showcased his leadership skills throughout the season, leading practices, giving speeches, sharing his experience and doing everything he could to motivate and put into perspective the life of an MMA fighter. His corner advice and coaching during bouts was fantastic, as well as his attitude in victory, giving praise to fighters like Chris Tickle following beratement from opposing coach Cruz. And thank you to Tickle. He gets a bad rap, but he handled that loss like a, like a champ. He also deserves praise for handling McGregor the way he did over the six weeks, turning every attempt at an insult into a jovial exchange and replying to McGregor's threat of just be glad you don't have to face me with such fear man I've, it's over i'm overcome with it he took the competition seriously always looked for an advantage while matchmaking and deserves bonus points for beating both cruz and mcgregor in the coach's challenge that's alpha male shit right there number three chael sonnen Expecting a bad guy to be a source of inspiration, motivation, and martial arts insight is quite the ask. But when the American gangster hit our screens opposite John Jones for season 17, he demonstrated that his oratorial skills were useful for more than just selling pay-per-views. Although fans had plenty to criticize, what with Sonnen being given a title shot at John Jones despite coming off a loss and not having competed at 205 for a number of years, they were hard-pressed to find any issues with Chael's coaching. It all seemed very natural for Chael. Obviously, he had a wealth of wrestling and MMA knowledge to impart, but showed an extreme focus on the mental side of competition, connecting with the fighters and adversity they would face and pushing the narrative on how to win. It's hard to imagine either Uriah Hall or Kelvin Gastelum making it into the finale without the benefit of Chael's guidance and mentoring throughout the season, as he recognized quickly their potential to win the show and certainly helped them along the way. He also had a strong coaching staff in the form of BJJ ace Vinny Magalhaes, former tough competitor and nutritionist Mike Dolce, and even brought in Ronda Rousey as a special treat for Kelvin. Lucky boy. And my, my knees just open. <laughs> <laughs> it was an all-team Sonnen finale, but a competitive season nonetheless. Number 2. Vitor Belfort Previous to the Phenom stint opposite Vanderlei Silva on Tough Brazil 1, I must admit I didn't really know much about the guy. Despite what I'd learned from Tommy Toehold videos and seeing him obliterate several fighters across his then 15-year MMA career, I can honestly say I was surprised at how well he fit the role of a coach on The Ultimate Fighter. Without Dana traveling to Brazil each week to lead the proceedings, the role fell upon Vitor to introduce each show's segment, as well as explaining the rules to the audiences at home. And he did a fantastic job, maintaining a manner that could have seen him work at UFC desk and clearly caring more about the fact Brazil and its future prospects were given a chance to shine, seeing the bigger picture for Brazilian MMA more than the competition itself. Preached fidelity, honesty, love, and forgiveness as being core principles to an MMA athlete, and always complimented the opposing team's fighter, using MMA words like warrior and tough. Alongside his already stellar coaching team, including Gilbert Burns, he brought Shogun Hua, Damian Maia, and the Nogueira brothers into the studio to help with training, and he even celebrated in traditional fashion, pouring the blood of the conquered foe over the victor. He focused solely on the best matchups for his fighters, even forcing friends to fight each other, stating it was necessary for the betterment of the sport and each athlete. He was emotional in defeat and dominated the season, going 7-1 in the opening bracket. Number 1. Tito Ortiz 
Although 15 years removed from season three, I'm willing to bet that every single athlete picked by TWLT still remembers what it was like to have been a part of team punishment. The cohesive yet intense structure to training sessions created a unity through struggle, strengthening the bond between each member. Perhaps it was his speeches about the caveman days, putting into perspective the role of the athletes in front of him as hunters and providers, reaching deep into the most primal parts of them in an attempt to unleash the beasts within. He spoke openly and honestly about his emotions as a fighter, comparing his loss to Randy Couture like a loved one dying, citing the fact he prepared and trained so hard only to fall short. His analysis of matchups and competitive styles was excellent across both Season 3 and Season 11, often predicting the outcome of matchups to 8T and calling for things mid-fight like the head kick Rory Singer landed on Solomon Hutchison. He entertained us all, rattling an easily provocable Ken Shamrock. Marshmallow hey, boy. Little bitch monkey. Yeah, was humble in defeat when he got totally hustled by the silver chain wearing bull shark during the coach's challenge. He was also emotionally invested in his team and the competition, tearing up when asked to leave at the end of season 11, following an injury and him pulling out of the scheduled fight with Chuck. Undefeated with his light heavyweights in season 3, and two tough champions crowned under his tutelage also helped strengthen the case that the Huntington Beach bad boy may be the best coach the ultimate fighter has ever seen. I just want to give a big, big shout out to the official fuel of MMA on point, Jotco Fuel. And exciting times are ahead as the boys are back with two new flavors, Mango Mayhem and Whoop Assault. If you're a diehard for their all-natural energy drinks, these are a must-have for your subscription. So using the exclusive code MMAonpoint at originmain.com slash jotco-fuel, get your 10% off your subscription. Your free lifetime shipping if you're a US resident. And of course, zero hassle moving forward. Because once you're subscribed, there's no need to reorder. You're good to go, living your best life and kicking ass. A big shout out to Luke Taylor for editing this video. You can find him and some of his amazing artwork on Twitter at cool2me underscore. Shout out to Ben Rosette and the excellent music he provided during the intro video. His music can be found on streaming platforms everywhere. There is a link in the description and follow him at Ben Rosette on Instagram and on Twitter. Thank you very much for watching everyone today. Please go ahead and like and subscribe if you did enjoy the content. We upload at least three videos every week for your viewing pleasure. Go ahead and leave a comment below if you want to join in the discussion and follow us on Twitter at MMA on Point and myself at Balian underscore plays. You can now jump in and join the community discord as well if you want to continue the discussion further. And I hope you've enjoyed yourselves. I'll see you in the next one.